Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Well, I, I get to preach tonight a little bit on uh, ordination, and I'm going to talk a lot about ladies, and I hope that everybody would really pay attention, uh, especially the men that maybe got an attitude. I asked a gentleman to leave my church right out in that foyer about 20 years ago. He made fun of me because I said, are you telling me that you, if you had leukemia and I brought Pastor Nancy here or Gloria Copeland or anybody that I respect or Cassie Flock, and they said, I had a word for you to be healed of leukemia. You'd rather sit there and die. And he said, yeah. And I said, you, you just need to leave my church. You've been with me 10 or 15 years. You're not getting nothing. I can't believe you're that ignorant. And I was glad he left because I don't need people like that. I'm telling you, God does not check your gender to decide what he's going to anoint you to do. And probably some of the most uh, wild cases like myself God's trying to call me into ministry, and I'm arguing. I don't think I'm called to do that, Father. But he just kept on pursuing, and that's what he does sometimes, you know. But listen, we've got to get this straight. You know, I mean, I've been around churches my whole life, you know. Some of them good, some of them not so good. But they say, well, she's just the, she's just the wife of the pastor. Well, yeah, she might be a wife to the pastor, but she could also be a pastor herself, or even more, she could be... You know, a prophetess, she could be an evangelist, a yes. teacher, yes. you know, lots of things. So I'm going to say a lot of things. And we need to straighten out our thinking and the way we talk about ladies and women. And I don't know how many I've ordained. I didn't keep track of it, but a lot yes. in my lifetime now. And I'm glad I've ordained each one of them because they had something in them that we needed as the body of Christ, not just here, but wherever, you know. Amen. Now, we're really focusing in on Morgan tonight that's married to my son. And so I hope this will help you and stuff. But let's look at some verses. We, of course, we're going to look at plenty of verses. Go to Genesis 1, through 28, I think it is. And let's just look at three or four verses before we get started. I'm going to read some of my stuff today because it's material that I have uh, found over the years. And sometimes, like I say, I may only use a tenth of a person's material because I don't agree with nine-tenths of it or... I may use half of it. I may use one statement they made that's really powerful. Yeah. But that's just my prerogative, yours too. So a lot of these things are written down, and I just said, instead of me trying to remember all this, I'm going to read a lot of things to you tonight too. But I just think this is important because I'm going to tie something together for you. I don't know if you tie things together or not. I'm not sure about you. But I tie things together that pertain to me and this house and my family you know, I'm the founder here. You know, I founded this church. I'm the one that laid on the birthing table. I was the only one at that time that birthed this church. And I got all the flakes and weirdos in the community for five, six, seven, eight years. And we just ran them all out or they repented and got right. I'm not being mean. It's just the way it is. If you're going to pioneer a church, you've got to have a pioneering spirit or you won't make it. That's not to say people are mean, but people are weird. That's what I'm saying. And everybody's got their opinion about what they think is just as valid as everybody else's. But my opinion is not any more valid than yours if it's not based on the Word. Right. Right. If it's based on the Word, it's not optional. Whether that's my opinion anymore, it's the Word. Amen. But Pastor Nancy was just with us in September. 
And she was talking to me here in this first part, but now I just wanted to read this. There's an increase of that miracle anointing, another degree, a greater degree of that, and more you minister, the more you minister here, there's going to be an impartation into this at another level. I'm just reminding you what she said. You know, I'm not trying to do anything I'm not called to do. This came by the Spirit of God. I agree with it. I think it was the Lord she said that. And so anyway, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says here, this is interesting. Every time you minister here in this church, I'm skipping over some things, it's going to be imparted into this place and into the voice that this place carries. The pastor will recognize it. The congregation will recognize it. And it's needed in the earth. The earth needs it. And then she said, there is a famine in the earth of people who know the spirit. There's a famine. She was talking about me. Because you've got to know the spirit to follow the spirit. You know, churches sometimes just going to go through their deals, and that's their deal. I'm not going to judge them in heaven. Jesus is our judge. He's judging all of us. When I just see that people just do the same thing forever and ever and ever get anywhere, that's not right. It's, there's something wrong if you're not moving forward. <laughs> you either backslidden or you're moving the other way. I don't know which it is for some people. You have to figure that out yourself. But anyway, but she went on to say something. Uh, about my ministry and stuff here in this church is your ministry says there's a watering hole here and your ministry is it and anointing on your life, so forth. Watering where famine has been. Uh, and it's not everywhere. But she, she began to say at the end of that, she said, uh, <clears throat> but it's here and your precious pastor, your founding pastor, that would be me. It's here in this family. Yes. So I'm believing to live long enough to ordain some of my grandchildren. Yes. And their children, maybe. If the Lord tarries, you know, I'd like to do that. Yeah, anyway, praise the Lord. It's not about me, but I'm just following the plan God gave me. See, I committed to God way back in the day. I don't remember when that would have been 1971. I was saved probably by 72, 73. I started getting serious. And eventually he called me into ministry after he won the battle of my argument with him. You know, you can argue, but you won't win. And I told him when I first started, I said, I will go any place you send me on the planet. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm going to do my best. But I'm going to hold you to keep my children in church with me. And for them to love God as much as I do or more. And if you don't do it, I'm going to remind you in eternity every day that you didn't keep your word. He said, I'll keep it. You keep your word. I said, okay, I got you. And so that's what we've been doing all these years. Hallelujah. All right, let's look here at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just talking. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. We heard a wonderful message this morning on dominion. So let that ring back into your thinking here. He created us to have dominion. So that's what we have when we have Christ. Now we're humble with each other and we love one another and walk in love and patience, but we have dominion over everything that would be against us. And we've got to speak to things. Okay. Over the fish of the sea and over the fowl and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man. And he's talking about the race of man here in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And that's what Pastor Keith was teaching us about this morning. Remember, the words that come from God, they make us into his image. Yes. And he says, male and female created he them. So we got to understand this. One is not over the other. There is divine order in the household. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
But, you know, I think if you pay attention, I'm going to remind you, so you, you, if you were here, you, you, hopefully you remember this. If you don't, I don't know what to do for you. Pastor Keith said he was going to quit going to church, find a church. He was going to stay home, watch Charles Stanley, and just live for God that way. And his wife said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find a church that has power and practice that power. So in that particular case, Cynthia trumped her husband in a good way, and he was smart enough to listen. <laughs> and he came one more time, and then we found each other. I found them as a family, and they found me, and we've just been hooked up ever since. So I'm showing you this because it's male and female. You know, we, we need to understand our respective roles, and that's a little different when you get into marriage. But everybody is to be considered to be used of God. That's what I'm saying to you. And never discount yourself. I remember my wife always told me her dad had a Ph.D. in metallurgy. He was just a farm boy from Tennessee, but he got educated. And he was a very smart man, a very scientific person. But he always told Diana, he said, you can be anything you want, honey. You can be the president of the United States if you want to. My parents didn't talk to me like that. Your parents didn't talk to you like that, most of you, if you were honest. They didn't know to talk like that, and they were, they were intimidated to say stuff like that. But see, that's what I'm saying here, both men and women here tonight. You can be anything you want to be as long as you do it God's way. You can have anything you want to have as long as you do it God's way. If it's not up in God, we sang the song this morning, there's nobody over a him. There'd be no other God before us except him, you know. All right. All right. Let's, let's go over to Romans chapter 11. I want to lay some found, a foundation here because... I think that we need to realize this is a supernatural evening and not just for Morgan, but for, and I appreciate the church people. It's a good turnout for our church. And thank you for all the sons and daughters to me that came tonight. And we're glad you're here. Thank God for all of you. Hallelujah. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. it says for the gifts and calling of God, the calling of God would be those fivefold ministry gifts or the ministry of health. You're never called to sit and do nothing. If you do that, we're not going to throw you out, but you're not going to make much progress just coming and taking a chair and putting some money in the bucket and going home and never changing and never doing nothing to help us as a church body. But what this talking about is the gifts. I think he's talking about primarily the fivefold ministry gifts, but even other gifts beyond that. There's a ministry of giving. Yeah. And there's a ministry of exhortation, which my wife had. She was profound in that. And, uh, and all kinds of gifts. But with every calling, and I believe Pastor Morgan is called to be a pastor and a teacher. And you may have some inkling, some other things in there that haven't yet manifested, I'm believing. But you see, that all goes together. Or without, in other words, once God does that, he's not changed. Repentance just means he didn't change his mind. <laughs> you know, there's going to be some guys get to heaven, they've been driving a truck. For 35 years. And God said, you have to get in the apostle line. You were supposed to be an apostle. You're going to get judged for that, not for driving a truck. Same for the women. So just so we know that that's coming, that ought to encourage us to do the thing we're called to do. (laughs) Hallelujah. But God doesn't change his mind. That's what I'm saying here. Even through all the hardship, when we quit a thousand times in our mind, even when we had to deal with very obnoxious people, we didn't quit. Even when people lied about me, I didn't quit. Even when I buried my wife, I didn't quit. I don't quit. I just keep on moving. We need to have that in all of us. 
All right, because the gifts and callings are without repentance. All right, now let's go over to Ephesians a minute, chapter 4. This is a real powerful scripture. You getting anything yet? <laughs> I think we could all learn something from the Word. But uh, Ephesians 4, let me find my passage here, verse 8, starting there anyway. We may read down a few verses, but verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended, this is Jesus, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. The word men there is not the word men in the New Testament, the Greek New Testament. It's the word for people. So we have to understand he wasn't just meaning the male part of mankind. Now, you know, sometimes when a lady's a pastor and she's not married, it's maybe harder for her. I don't know. I'm not a lady and I'm not pastoring anymore either. So, but I'm just saying sometimes people have a hard time with that. But like Dr. Dufresne said, people come to his church. They didn't want to come. He would say this because they had a female pastor. But she'd get up and teach him and they'd forget she was a woman. She would just teach him the word and then just come back and stay. You know, some people got some smarts. Some of them. Not all of them, but some. Yes, but so it said, when he led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto people. I think there's a different translation somewhere here, maybe. Uh, well, the Beck translation says he gave gifts to people, but the Greek word here is a word for a human being. So that could be male or female. He gave gifts unto his people as he saw fit. He doesn't check your gender to do that either. Just really important to know that. And this, it's wonderful. Now let's go to Galatians here for one more passage. And there's some other passages we'll look at as we get on into this. But I hope this will help you. <clears throat> I don't teach this a lot. I think the best time I ever taught it was at the Owings Church when I ordained Dona. And uh, because it was the best I'd done on tape, I kept that tape. And pastor just told me, he says, I keep it in my bookstore and I tell people when they don't they don't like women preachers go get Dr. Jacobs tape on it and get Brother Hagin's book on the woman question and if that don't answer for you just leave the church because I'm going to have women here that preach all right all right here in Galatians we're just showing you more than two or three witnesses remember uh, Galatians 3 verse 20 uh, let me find it here 26 through 28 says, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So he says here confidently that we're in Christ. He's not looking at us as male and female. He just anoints different people to do different things, have different responsibilities, different things they bring to the body of Christ. We're not all clones. So this is important here. In Christ, you're, and he knows you're male and female. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In marriage, that's real incredibly important. But we're talking about being in Christ. And his anointing comes for those of us in Christ, male or female. All right. So anyway, that's exciting, I think, to think about. So I want to read some stuff here, and I'm going to get into some other things here in just a minute. I'm just excited to be here with you. And I would just like to say, because, you know, uh, I've watched, of course, I didn't know everything was going to happen as it's happened in my life or my family's life. You know, I don't know everything, neither do you. I only know what he reveals to me. But what I'm saying is I've noticed uh, and paid attention to some people in the church. I don't think they knew I was watching them. 
but like Morgan, because I watched her grow up here, what, how old was she when you first came? Five years old. You're over 30, aren't you? Not much. I'm not going to ask you for the, just a little. We'll just give it, leave her at 30. How's that? Because I got to go home and live with this lady, so I'm going to leave her at 30. <laughs> she lives in my house with me, with her husband. Okay. I need to roll that back and erase it, I think. Oh. Now, for all you listening by tape, don't get offended. But my point is, she went through her teenage years. I never knew her to date much. I never had any problems. Nobody called me about her. She's a problem. You know, I, sometimes people come to this church, have been here six weeks, I've gotten four phone calls. Not anymore. I'm not the pastor. That's his job. I didn't leave for that reason, because I can handle people if I need to handle them. And you ought to be thankful I made them leave the church. Some of them were predatory people, and their wives and them both told me so. I said, well, you're not welcome here. I can't trust you around my ladies. I can't trust you around my children. Get out of my church. And if you come back, I got ushers that can whip you. And if they can't, I got a restraining order that'll keep you away. Don't come back. You're not welcome. All right. Thank you so much. You don't have to do that, Morgan. I'm just talking about. All right. But we're seeing here, this is just valuable to understand these things, the way God thinks about it. And this is some information on historically it says there are evidences that women were involved in teaching and preaching during the first several centuries of church history. I bet half of you've never heard that before unless you looked it up. And it says, uh, let's see here. Uh, as they were gifted of the Lord and by the Holy Ghost and said, uh, Justin Martyr, who lived about 150 A.D., he says, women were seen among them who had extraordinary gifts of the Spirit of God, the, holy, the gifts of the Spirit. According to the prophet Joel, he said, you know, that there'd be men and women, male and female, sons and daughters, yeah. so forth. And in Acts 2, it says that too. Yeah. But they were ministering through the first, second, third century, even to the time of Constantine. Men had these gifts, yea, but women also. Yeah. So it's interesting to know that Tertullian, he was a church father way back. In the beginning of the church age, we might call one of the earliest Latin fathers, he notes that women appear in every early reference to ecclesiastical orders. That's ministry stuff. There's four titles they used back then with women in the clergy, and all of which occur in the New Testament. Widow, deaconess, presbyter, and virgin. And the two former ones, he adds, are apostolic orders. They weren't called necessarily apostles in this moment when he writes about it, but he says they were included in these other titles. Amen. Interesting here. Yes. Marcella preached Christianity publicly in Rome, and Jerome, born about 340 A.D., and the translator of the Latin Vulgate Bible, writes of her, all that I've learned with great study, the blessed Marcella learned also, but with great facility. In other words, she's a smart lady. He also celebrates her immense influence for good in Rome, this lady named Marcella. In the catacombs are found representations of women clergy. I don't think you see that on the Discovery Channel, did you? You see that yet? I didn't hear that. I've seen them down there looking at depictions, but they never brought this out, of women clergy, and they were shown presiding at the Lord's Supper. So they had a place of preeminence to do things like that. That's what I'm saying. Mobilian, a French writer on ecclesiastical biography and antiquities records that the evangelization of Europe was due in great part to the nuns from St. Benedict's thing, many of whom publicly preached the gospel. 
So the women helped to convert all of Europe at that point in time. Among the Montanists, that's where another group of people who were the evangelicals of the third century, Priscilla and Maximilla, ladies of rank, so they were high standing in their position, served as evangelists over a wide extent of country. Women were elected by the Montanists as deacons, pastors, president, presbyters, and even bishops. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, just, there's just so much here. It says, it seems as if the decay of women's ministry took place with the decay of Christianity and the rise of Roman apostasy and the proud pretensions of an exclusive priesthood. Eusebius of the 4th century, these are, we're going forward now for about 400 years after Christ was here, a prophetess named Potamia Amias in Philadelphia and others who were equally distinguished for their love and zeal in the cause of Christ. That's quite a bit. That's just a little footnote for us to understand that. Amen. There's a little more down here, but I don't know that I want to. Women are born again just like men. They receive the Holy Ghost, become new creatures. Women receive the Holy Spirit, baptism, speak in tongues, move in the Spirit. God said he pour out his Spirit upon his sons and daughters or his servants and handmaidens. That would be female. Men and women may speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Both men and women were baptized into the body of Christ, which is the body of the church. Men and women are together priests in a new covenant. It is no longer a Levitical priesthood available only for one tribe of a chosen nation and for men only. It's not that way anymore. All right, praise God. I just thought that would bless you. That's just a little history thing on us. So... Now, let's see here where I want to go here. Let's, let's go over here to 1 Corinthians 12. I just wanted to mention this verse here. I may, I may go to another verse in this chapter. And it's not going to take us real long, but I think it's important to realize women played a significant part from people that paid attention and were willing to think equal about the women as they did the men. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, that's all of us now, it says every one of them, that's all of us, and the pastors and preachers, in the body as it hath pleased him. Yes. Yes, sir. See, sometimes you realize that certain people being in certain positions, that pleases Father. Yes. Yes. And it may be hard on your flesh to get there. I never felt intelligent when I was a younger person. I hated school. I went to school. I passed. I graduated, but I really wasn't too into it. But, and I, I'm not bragging about that. That's not a good way to get educated, but anyway. But it says here, every one of us, God places it where it pleases him. I think we have to think about that sometimes before we make uh, crude comments about what does he think he's doing? What does she think she's doing? I mean, well, if they're in the place that God put them, they're doing what God told them to. And if they have the local churches, uh, pastors or leaders, I'm a leader here too. I'm not in, I'm not a pastor anymore, but I'm over the whole thing. My name's on everything. You know what I mean? I'm not bragging about it. It's just, we're a church in minute. We're a family in ministry too. So anyway. And we, we told our kids, you're going to serve God. We didn't ask them. We said, you're going to serve God like we do. Amen. Now, Brother Summerall's the one that said, if you're called in the ministry, your family would be called too. Some people don't believe that. I think you ought to be as smart as you can be, whatever you do. 
you're called to be a machinist, then go, go to machinist school. You're called to be a mechanic, go to mechanic school. If you're called to be an artist, then you'd have to go to drawing school or whatever that, that's called, you know. See what I'm saying? But we can also train our children to come up into the things of God and be committed to the things of God. Remember I said, God, I'll do what you tell me to do, but I'm going to hold you to make you help me with my children. And now it's come, I'm, now I'm back in a different deal now where I have children, but I have grandchildren, and I've had to talk to my children and tell them, do not tell your kids that I'm running away from them because I'm not at every basketball game anymore. I can't be in Lincoln, Nebraska, and here too at the same time. You know that, don't you? I can't be in California and here. I can't be wherever I travel and be here. I can only be one place at one time. So don't be too strict on me. Are you doing what God told you to do? I mean, he dealt with me about it, you know, after my wife went to heaven in December. Of course, I already knew what I was called to do, but I was just, I wasn't doing that right then. And he said, I told you to travel, Michael. You need to get on it, get with it. Okay, so we're going to do that. I took the rebuke. I called the pastors back that had invited me that I'd turned down for a little short period there and told them I was sorry and I'd love to come if they want to have me. That's what Jesus told me to do. So don't be critical of me if you haven't walked in my shoes. I haven't got any moccasins, but anyway. All right. So God places that us where it pleases him. I had no intention of moving to Kentucky for any reason. <laughs> Nothing personal. I just didn't think Kentucky was a great place to live, but I never lived here, so I didn't know that. And God put me in a Bible school in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Then he brought me over here in Indiana, and he said, I want you to start a church. And I said, I don't know if I want to fool with the people in Indiana because... <laughs> Hang on, this gets better. <laughs> and he said, well, you're not even my first pick, Michael. I said, <laughs> thanks a lot. But the reason you are my pick is because you're tough enough to deal with the pioneer spirit on you. So go ahead and do it anyway. But you're not my first pick. I said, oh, brother. But I did my best to do it, and here we are, 38 years later or whatever it is. And not bragging, I didn't do it without him, but he didn't do it without me. It wouldn't be Church on the Rock if it was without me. So see what I'm saying? Just talking here. So he puts us where he wants us to fit. And let's read 27, 28 while we're here, because it's not going to take that long. I haven't even been preaching 30 minutes. This is pretty good. Now you are the body of Christ, talking to all of us, and members in particular. You need to fit in a different place than somebody else, maybe. And God has said, he gives us an example here. God has said some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And so all of these have a different role in the body of Christ, but he puts us there as it pleases him. Yeah. And I like to say, if you, if you have the goods, then that's probably what you are. Yeah. You may not be developed in some things when you start because you always start at the bottom. Remember that you never stop at the top. You don't start. Everybody I know that started at the top's a failure. <laughs> that I personally, they had the money, they had the whatever, the intelligence, but they just failed at life because they weren't doing what God told them to do. God didn't make them fail. They failed themselves. So anyway, it talks about all the different things down to here ongoing. Let me see here what I want to say to you about something here. Um, Women, 
in ministry in the Old Testament. This is just a partial example. Miriam, she was a prophetess. Deborah, she was a judge, a prophetess, a mother in Israel. She was something else kind of lady. I liked her. I mean, reading about her, I like her. Huldah, she was a prophetess listed in 2 Kings. Anna, she was a prophetess listed in Luke chapter 2. And then there were women in the New Testament too, in the ministry and so forth, as we've already said. When God said he led away captivity captive and gave gifts unto people. So that's when he distributed these gifts. And you know, I didn't even read all that. Let's go back for a minute to Ephesians 4. I just felt like it would help us to look at a couple more verses here, and then I'll talk to you about something real important. And we're just going to be done here in just a little bit. Uh, Ephesians, we, we read Ephesians 4, verse 8. I'm going to start there and read on down a few verses. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, this is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus ascending. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto people. Now that he ascended, what is it? That, but he also descended first. People said he didn't go to hell. Right here is that. It's written in plain English. He descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He wasn't in a tomb or a grave. He was down in hell. All right. And he gave some apostles, but referring back to verse 8, he gave some to be apostles, like we have Mike Rabel here and Elaine, they're apostles. Uh, and then prophets, uh, no, yeah, prophets, and that's what I am. And some evangelists, I don't know if there's any evangelists here, but then pastors and teachers, there's a lot of pastors here and their wives, and they pastor together and minister together. Some of them have just awesome gifts. Yeah, we need to appreciate everybody for their gifts and not try to be like somebody unless we have the anointing to do that. Because you confuse people if you don't have the anointing, it doesn't come to pass. And the reason we have all these things going on that I'm talking about tonight is verse 12 and 13. For the maturing, that's the real word there, perfecting of the saints. We don't normally say perfecting. It's not a bad word to use there, but the real word is the maturing of the saints. These five ministry gifts as well as what we read over in Corinthians, you know, ministry of helps, ministry of governments, that's the pastor. And others had gifts of healings and miracles. That's a different gift entirely normally. But all of these gifts come that we might mature the body of Christ for the work of the ministry that they have to do and the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man or a woman, he's talking about us as a body, one body, perfect man, a mature man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yes. That's what I meant earlier when I said you've got to find your place and then you have to figure out what gifts go with your calling, what endowments you have that goes with your particular slant in the body of Christ. How does that function? How do I get over into more of a fullness level of it, we might say? So, you know, and I'm working on me, and I know people that are conscious, they're working on themselves to get over into the fullness of what Father has for us. I've always had a certain amount of healings and miracles in my ministry, but not to the degree I have it to now or the last five or ten years. No, it's way surpassed that now. And it's coming quicker now. And the visions are coming quicker now sometimes. Anyway, so we're just seeing that the whole purpose of these in the body of Christ is to mature the church. You know, my, my wife, she was a wonderful lady. She could get up and I'd be preaching for an hour and try to tell you something. She'd get up in 30 seconds and wrap it in a bow and go, here you go. <laughs> and I'd want to say, what did I waste preaching my time for? You could have just did it in 30 seconds. 
but she had that gift of exhortation. I remember sitting at a table one time, somebody's home, and there was a preacher, I won't mention his name, and he just felt so defeated and disgusted. And she started, she started talking to him. She didn't hardly even know him. I knew him a little bit, but not much. And I mean, in less than 10 minutes, he had him smiling, and he realized he was called and anointed to do it. <laughs> I mean, she just transformed that guy just around a dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. I would have if I could have, but she had the gift to do that. It was just, some, it was just you could see it f functioning on her and going to this other man to help him. All right. Now let's go to Romans 16 here. There's probably some of you, uh, bless your hearts, if you're ex-something, you know, you're ex-somebody, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Baptists, Catholics, Pente Presbyterians, I don't care what you are. You were that, and you kind of got a flair to what they taught you, but they maybe didn't teach you stuff truthfully. We just have to realize that sometimes. We just, and in maturing, we're going to, if you're maturing, let me say it this way, you're changing. You don't have to agree with me about everything, but if I can show you from the Bible in black and white, this is what it says, then you shouldn't have a problem. All you'd really need to say is, yes, sir, that's right. I can see it. So I'm just trying, but see what I'm saying that for is to say now, you not only have Jordan, but you have Morgan. And I don't know how she does it, and I know she doesn't do speed, but she can spit out more words in one minute than I can say in an hour. I don't know how she does it. And it's like she's not breathing up here. I don't even, she's not, and it's good, and it's meaty, and it feeds us, and it helps us. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we need all the parts doing their part. That's what I'm saying, you know. Yeah. Shelby Lynn, you really blessed us tonight. And the team with her, the team, all the team. And this morning too, we did. But tonight was just exceptional. And I was praying this afternoon there'd be an exceptional anointing tonight when we ordained Morgan that we'd all feel blessed by that. We'd all feel encouraged by that. We'd all feel lifted up because God's doing something in her life tonight. I call them, this is what my term, I didn't learn this from somebody, a holy moment. Yes. That's what I call those moments, a holy moment. Where God touches you and changes you. Yes. And I, I don't even know how he can do it with, you know, several hundred people all at once just wave his hand and we all get touched. We all feel refreshed. We all feel strengthened. We all feel like we've just been in something very important. Yes. And I, I'm just giving credibility to the church here. We need to think about times like this is critical for a church to experience. And I, I wrote you a letter because I was one that felt like I wanted to ordain her. I didn't want to do it back in the other meeting because I was ordaining other people. Listen to me, it's not a reflection of them, but it's a reflection of setting her apart in this local church, not in a big meeting I was having. I could have done it that way, but I wanted to make it more special for you and her. So I'm the one that wrote you the letter and invited you to come. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. And you know, the more you support her in your prayer life and pray for her, and I'm sure you do already, but the more you begin to pray for her as a pastor um, and things that she might have in her, the more she'll be able to move into that easier. Yeah. And show respect to her. Don't just say, well, that's the, that's the pastor's wife. Well, she is the pastor's wife, but what I'm saying is if you'll call her pastor, there'll be a different attitude in you 
that receives from her as a pastor would have to minister to you. You know, I, I read Matthew 10 hundreds of times, but particularly Matthew 10, 40 through 42, I think, where it says, if you receive a righteous man, name right, you receive a cup of cold water, receive a prophet, name prophet, you receive a prophet. All those are different depictions. And I was reading it one day, Dr. Dufresne preached on it for three years, it seemed like. Not every meeting, but a lot of meetings. And I kept reading it, and the Lord said, you ever thought that's the same person perceived by three different people? I said, no, but I'm going to now that you brought that up. And so I'm saying to you, if you just call her Morgan, that's her name, you can call her that. But in a setting where you're in church and you're trying to go somewhere as a church body, the more we honor, let me say this carefully here, I want you to get it, as you honor the gifts, then you honor what's in that gift to minister out and God begins to do something in them to minister to you that maybe you'd never received had you not had any honor towards them. You know, I could still answer to Michael, and some people call here, and Donna makes them know that my name's not Michael. It is Michael, but um, you mean Dr. Jacobs? Well, I didn't know he's a doctor, and they don't care if I'm a doctor or not. They want to talk to Mike. But the point I'm making to you is, whatever, in a church setting, you have a pastor's primary, that, th those two is to honor that in your thinking. And as you do, the anointing comes up higher on them and for you to receive from them at a different level. You know, I was in a meeting one time, and I went back to my room. I was just crying. All, I mean, not, not when I was going to the room, but when I got to the room. I said, Lord, I couldn't get anything done there. And he said, well, stop that crying. You're not better than me, are you? And I said, well, no, sir, I didn't say that. He said, but you've read Mark 6, haven't you? I said, I sure have. And he said, they wouldn't receive me either, and I couldn't get anything done. Not of consequence, just little things, because they, they had no honor for me. And that's what it says in Mark 6. You can read it for yourself, first 10 verses. Yeah. And they said, well, we want to see you do the miracles you did over Capernaum when you grew a guy's arm out. You gave a person new eyes or whatever. Well, he would have, but they didn't have any honor for him. Not, not worship, but honor. Honor is different than worship. When you honor people that are, you should be honored in life, you begin to receive more from them. So back to my passage in Matthew 10, I'm, not, I'm teaching it. I didn't turn to it. But if you receive them, oh, that's just Jordan. Then that's all you get, Jordan. But if you say that's my pastor, and he, and of course you know what pastors do, they feed you, they instruct you, they correct you, they encourage you, they come to the hospital and visit you. They bury grandma if she goes. They come when you have your babies and tell you how sweet they look and all that. Yeah, that's what you do. And I think all babies are pretty personally. That's... All right. But you see, one of them could receive this person in Matthew 10 event there as a prophet, and they would receive out of that prophet's mantle, not out of a righteous man's mantle or a disciple's mantle. There's something in that. And the more that I've studied the Bible, the more I see this is true everywhere. You know, anyway. So I, I'd ask you, I think I did, maybe I did in Romans 16, did I ask you to turn there? Let's look at this a minute. I was reading this one day, and all of a sudden it jumped out of me, the first seven verses, and I'll point it out as I go through here, about women in ministry. I commend you unto Phoebe, our sister, which is a deacon, that's the real word there, of our church, which is at Sinchcrea. And look what he says about her, that you receive her in the Lord, again, honor, as become a saints, 
and that you assist her. This is this great apostle Paul telling this group, you need to assist this, de this deacon in your church named Phoebe in whatever business she hath need of you. Amen. That's like saying, listen to her and do what she asks you. For she hath been a secourer of many, that's a helper to many, kind of, that's what you'd call a secourer, and of myself also. So she must have helped Paul significantly at some point in his ministry. I'm not sure where that's located at, but it says she did something. Then let's go on. Greek Priscilla and Aquila. Now, this is a husband and wife team, and the, what they do in the Bible, they always name the first person that's the more credible of the two or the more higher ranked of the two. They always do that in the law in the Bible. So Priscilla was probably more of the pastor and teacher than Aquila, her husband. But they were both anointed and they were both pastors. My helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. I'd say that's pretty significant. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Because they helped him live on. I, you know, in whatever way they helped him. And likewise, greet the church. It's still talking about Priscilla and Aquila. Greet the church. So they're in a local church that's in their house. So back then they had a lot of churches in homes. Yes. They, did, they had a big temple in, in Jerusalem and they did have synagogues of Jewish believers. But he's saying this is a new covenant now where they have churches and they had them in homes to start with until they outgrew that. And then they'd have to build and so forth and so on. And he says, salute. Uh, so said uh, the church that greet them. The church that's in their house, salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is of the first fruits of Achaia, unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Adronica. See, even these people that say they had a lot of labor on him, I don't know what Mary did. Maybe she cooked a meal. Maybe she took care of him somehow or another and helped him in some capacity. Salute Adronicus and Junia. And the second one is a feminine word. Junia is a female in the Greek New Testament. My kinsman. Now he's talking about himself as a apostle. He says, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. <laughs> they weren't just apostles, Adronicus and Junia. They were of note among the apostles. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And that's just significant, I think. And they were also in Christ before me. So in this one seven verse section, you have a deacon you know, I remember the Baptists. They weren't going to have no women deacon. They let them teach at Sunday school and all that. Let them go on mission trips. They let them be a missionary and all kinds of God knows where in the world. But they weren't going to let them be a deacon. <laughs> they weren't going to have any elders that were women. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. I'm just putting out some truth. If you don't like it, that's fine with me. But I'm right. So I'm just trying to help us to see a broader picture of how the early church really thought about women the ones that were corrected right. And, you, you know, there's more to it. There's an isolated scripture somewhere. The women shouldn't talk. But you need to get it in the context, friend. Get Brother Hagen's book. You can go down to Amazon. They probably sell everything, don't they, from underwear to pipe wrenches. Anyway. And get his book, The Woman Question. It'll answer all those ridiculous scriptures that you think you heard your preacher teach. But he didn't leave out. He left out all the ones that I'm using tonight. He didn't bring that out. I'm just talking. We shouldn't give somebody more honor than do them, but we ought to all treat each other. I think it's in Peter's writing. Treat your brothers and sisters with honor. Yes, sir. Yes. And the brotherhood or sisterhood, whatever you want to call it. Yes. 
Treat them with respect and decency. That's what we're saying. So in just seven verses, we got three major issues. We got a pastor that's a female, got a deacon, and got an apostle. And not just an apostle, an average Betty or Cynthia or whoever. She was really of note among the apostles. I don't know what happened. What was her name? Earth Mother? She used to be in Louisville. Does anybody know about her? she she go to heaven, Daryl? She probably did. She was out there for many years, wasn't she? 30 or 40 years, Earth Mother. I think I met her one time. A woman, she took in kids. She took had a house in Louisville somewhere, a big house, and then she had some land over here in Indiana or somebody gave her some land to plant food for them, for them and they come over. It's just a, quite a lady. They called her Earth Mother. I don't know why they did that, but anyway, she was very famous around our area. You remember that, Josh? Yeah. Praise the Lord, I do too. All right. Now, I just got... Uh, I got two more things here to say. Just not going to take me long at all. Let's uh, first of all let's go over to First Timothy with me, to chapter five, and I'm going to stay in First Timothy four, I think, later, and that'll be my last scripture. Then, uh, let me see here, First Timothy, yeah, First Timothy five, and uh, <clears throat> I was reading this one day, and it just began to affect me, and I, I began to do some research. Verse 21 and 22 says, um, well, let me go back up to verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Actually, that means double salary, especially they who labor in the word and in doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. They're comparing the preacher to an ox that went on a in a circle like that, and they had him chained to this machine that's grinding corn to eat their meal. Yes. Your pastor does that through his meditation, study time. So does Pastor Morgan, reading the Word, asking God, help me to get this accurate, help me to preach this effectively, yes. help me to minister it with the anointing of God. Yes, yeah, that's what I did before I came tonight for this meeting, for me. And that shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation. So that tells me, be warned that if you receive something against a leader in the body of Christ, it may not always be accurate. But it may sour you on that person. And then you just think everything they say, they're full of, I'm not going to say that word because you'd kick me out for using that four-letter word. That's the way you think. I know how you think. And rightfully so, maybe. I don't know, you know, but anyway, this is telling me I'd be cautious to receive something that somebody tells me about another preacher when I don't even trust the guy that's telling me that. Yeah. Right. Right. He may have it in for that guy. He may not got what he wanted from that guy, and he's punishing him by get, ruining his reputation. So be careful about things. This is just helps us to move forward in a better capacity. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. And then I'm getting into the main part I wanted to get to. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. Now, I want to explain verse 22 for just a minute. He's not talking here about laying hands on people to be healed or refreshed or delivered talking about laying hands on people to ordain them. Don't be in a rush to do that. And don't be partaker of other men's sins. I had a pastor just down the street here 
not Graceland, but it's a little church. I don't even know what happened. But anyway, he went to prison because he embezzled money. But the first time he came to this church, he ran up to me after the meeting on Sunday night and said, would you lay hands on me? I said, sir, I don't even know you. What's your name? And where do you pastor? Do you pastor? I pastor a little church in New Albany. Let me just go say it that so it's more generic. And I said, well, I don't even know you. Let's have lunch first. And the next thing I knew, he was going to prison because he embezzled money from the church. Several thousand. It was, it was a felony because it was over so much money, you know. When it's over a certain amount, it becomes a felony, not a misdemeanor. And I think he went. So I was willing to try to help him. But I said, first, let's just have lunch. Could we just do that? And then I get to know you and we'll see what this takes us. But he, he just, so I wasn't quick to lay hands on him because I didn't know him. I didn't, it's not that I didn't trust him, I just he was too anxious for me. Yeah. All right. And keep yourself pure. But let's go back to this verse 21. You know, when you think about God in an ordination, well, God's the head of the church. I mean, God's the head of everything. Let me say it that way. He selected somebody and started dealing with them. And then Jesus, the head of the church, he selected that person like Morgan to be married to my son and to be, come into this unity here with this church. And to have a leadership ability. I know her. She don't like attention drawn to herself. I don't either. Especially if it's the wrong kind. But you just have to deal with yourself. I, I had to deal with Pastor Keith getting up and bragging about me being his spiritual father. Him and Keith. Him and Keith. Him and Dennis. They're always telling me, well, you were our Bible school dad. That's how we learned all this. Well, I appreciate them saying that. And I can't let that embarrass me in front of the rest of you because their heart's right and they're trying to say something to me they feel from their heart to me. See what I'm saying? I got to learn to deal with that so I'm not, you know, feel funny. And I just, I just learned to do that a few years ago. And I said, Father, I'm not going to, I'm going to just receive what people say from now on. If I think they're telling me the truth and they're doing it honestly, then that's fine. So what I found in this, Jesus and God, but then it says, and the elect angels. And I don't know why it took me about a year. I finally figured out going back through some uh, books on this letter and going into the Greek Testament. And this is what it says, really. And the chosen angels that are personally selected by God to go with that ministry you're ordaining. That didn't mean just the prophet. That's just all the fivefold ministry that gets ordained. Now, you have personal angel, but that's different. Yes. Morgan got that because she was birthed here. This is the authority to be in this planet. You came through the womb of a woman. Anybody here didn't come through the womb of a woman? Raise your lying hand. <laughs> <laughs> you came the same way we all came. That's legal entry into this planet. Your body gives you a certain amount of authority just physically because you have a body and you've been born in this planet. And your body's made out of the earth. All right. But there's something unique about this. I began to see this. And I remember my ordination. I mean, I had some rough people there that I used to live with, you know, bikers and drug dealers. And, and then my father-in-law, who was a very brilliant man. And they were all crying like babies, and I was too. But I didn't know what I know now. And I went back one day, and I was studying all this, and I said, I bet you that's what it was. Because when they come, the angels of God normally, and they come into a service, it becomes very reverent for everybody in there that perceives that. And so tonight there's going to be an angel or angels assigned to Morgan for your ministry. You'll have to pray that out, honey, and figure that out for yourself because I don't know what to tell you. So that's what I did, just prayed, prayed it out. And God will show you what, what he's going to do, how he's going to use you in that area. All right? 
All right. I've been doing 52 minutes. That's pretty good for me. I got one last page. And it is, it's, it's Rick Renner's uh, Greek New Testament, I mean, excuse me, his interpretation from the Greek New Testament of 1 Timothy 4, verse 13 through 16. I'm going to read it to her and to all of us. And before I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to do this too and just put this over here. I'm going to read this to her, can I? It's an ordination we gave her. And uh, so that we, we're going to have her come in a minute after I read from Rick Renner's interpretation of the Greek of First Timothy 4. Certificate of ordination, we the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of the church body, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging. So if you came when you were five, I've known you 25 years plus, something like that. And examining the God-given gifts, Christian experience, call to the ministry and view of Bible doctrine. And I'd like to just say this so you know me well. I'm not critiquing everybody to the nth degree, but she stood up and said something recently to all of us. And I made a note of it mentally that that wasn't maybe totally right the way she put it. And at home, not in front of you, but I'm going to tell and brag about her because if you can't do what I just did with her, you have no business being in any leadership uh, under anybody. And I was really sweet with her at the kitchen table, I think. I said, you know, you made this comment and I quoted it back, but that's not fully true. And the reason it's not is based on Luke 8, 1, 2, 3. And she went and read it, and she got it before you. I didn't ask her to do it and said, you know, I said something. Dr. Jacobs corrected me. I wanted to make sure I said to you that I made the adjustment. You know, people are so full of themselves when it comes to ministry, they don't repent to anybody for anything. Oh, my God. You can't even get preachers together. It's like herding wild cats. Yeah. Anyway, not all the preachers. I like the preachers that are here tonight with us. And the people, sheep, I like you sheep. I didn't call you a goat, so you're sheep. <laughs> I'm teasing a little bit. Morgan Ellen Jacobs was solemnly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana, on the 26th day of March, 2023. I signed it, Dr. Michael Jacobs, Pastor Jordan Jacobs, Dr. Keith Rogan, and Pastor Cynthia Rogan. And then we have in the, in the Fed in here, the verse I'm going to read her, a couple of verses from Timothy. It's a probably, I don't know if it's his translation or a different one. But you could just set that wherever you want and hang it up wherever you like. I mean, this is exciting for me, you know. So anyway, this is Rick Renner's interpretation. It's 1 Timothy 4, verse 13 through 16. I think he did a wonderful job and I was told he's doing a New Testament now. Somebody told me. I might have been Lois Daly or something. But I'm going to see if I can get one of those when he gets done. This is the way he rendered all this. Till I come, you must continue consistently and habitually giving yourself to the reading of Scripture. Not for the sake of a sermon, but for the sake of your own personal growth. This growth should be, first be reflected by deep spiritual fellowship around the Word with your closest friends. Then finally, this growth will be reflected as you minister God's word publicly. Your public ministry, however, should be an overflow form, uh, overflow from these other areas of your life. Public ministry is a result of personal growth. Do not continue neglecting and ignoring the gift that is in your life. I'm saying this to her, but all of us in a way. It is a supernatural endowment full of power and ability. Regardless of how much you've already done, the gift in you is so powerful, it can do more. 
when God gave it to you, he also gave you a prophecy as the elders laid their hands on you, which we're going to do in just a minute. And God told you specifically what he would do through your ministry. Had, have you fulfilled all that prophecy? Then, you're, then you must start yielding to the gift in a greater way to have a, a mission to fulfill. Yes. Take special time and care to cultivate these things. They will not develop by accident. You must decide to develop them, give yourself to them completely, be consumed with them, given to them, and almost driven until you feel you're up to your ears in them. <laughs> then you'll be really ready to begin to grow, and you'll begin to forge new frontiers, and everyone will see your growth, and they'll be encouraged to follow. Understand that your personal development is the first priority in your life. Now, we heard this morning we should first seek the dominion that's in the kingdom. Yeah. Then we hear this too right here, that this should be the first thing. Your personal development is your first priority in your life. Grab hold of yourself and determine to cultivate growth in your life and grab hold firmly onto doctrine. In fact, you must stay right by the word and make it your number one business. For in doing this, you will personally experience a new measure of salvation and deliverance and them that hear you preach and teach will be changed too. Amen. Yeah. I only had two other things, well, three here that I wrote down that I would encourage Morgan and everybody to. First, be quick to repent when you miss it. When I've missed it, I've been quick to repent. And the other thing, I've been quick to forgive others when they missed it and did something against me. I was quick to forgive them. Those two things alone kept me alive all this time. 73, just getting started good. And the third thing I say is don't limit God. Amen. Psalm 78, 41 says they limited the Holy One of Israel. And everybody, you can do that. You have that ability. Just think of the dominion in that. You can say, I'm not going to do that. Then that doesn't get done. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.